Welcome to School Nutrition Dietitian. I'm your host, Dahlia Kinsey. I work with programs all over the country as a registered dietitian and school nutrition specialist to save operations time and money on everything from employee training, social media marketing, and wellness programs. Every week, I bring you tips, tricks, and inspiration from fellow professionals in school nutrition and related fields. Today, we have John McBain on the show. John is based in Australia, and he works with an awesome food project called the Sustainable Urban Nutrition Project, or SUN. John is the perfect person to have on the show this week since he totally fits the Earth Day celebration vibe that's happening this week. Of course, this year, we're celebrating very differently than what we may have done last year. Our department has a tradition of attending a community-wide event where I have, for the last few years, been dressing up like a bunny and sharing fresh produce with the kids and the community as a whole. I will definitely be reposting some of those images from last year, but this year, unfortunately, we won't be able to do that since we haven't gotten beyond the need for social distancing right now. But hopefully next year, we'll be back at it again. Even though we can't go out and celebrate together right now, there's still a lot we can do in our homes to reduce waste and show the planet how much we appreciate School it. Nutrition dietitian here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus, time to handle business. Breakfast, you don't want to miss it. Help your body to replenish. Clean food, clear mind. That is the vision. Tune in to the School Nutrition Dietitian. Oh, darling, it's an absolute pleasure. Can you tell us about the philosophy behind the organization that you have right now? I thought it would be fascinating for people to hear about how you make a difference in communities. So many people feel like they have to be massive and funded to do anything of significance when it comes to helping the planet or helping our neighbors? I guess I should start off by putting on my hat. So I'm the wizard. So my wizard name is Waste Not the Wizard. And, of course, it comes from that old saying, Waste Not What Not. And one of the things about waste is it's a state of mind. So when you see something, so like if someone sees a toilet roll, they think, oh, we'll chuck it in the bin and we've got a lovely bin for chucking toilet rolls in because we use them in our worm farms. So we collect them and we make a little thing out of them by folding two and a half and two and a half again and you make a long tube and they're sort of like a wicking bed. So every time I'm, I'm looking in our bins and I'm thinking, how can I use that? And when you see something as a resource rather than waste, it stops being... I've never thought about waste as just being a state of mind, but that's a really good point. Well, it's like sustainability, you know. Sustainability is about balance between three things, economic, social, environmental. It's not very hard. You know, we're part of the way there towards sustainability. We have corporate reports where they have to put in their social responsibility, corporate social responsibility and their sustainability KPIs or whatever. We've sort of progressed a little way, 
But still, if you're looking at a balance, you know, economic right down here with the most weighting and up here is social and environmental and it's supposed to be like this or ideally like that. So it's it's a bit sad, but we can get there. That's the main thing. Well, a lot of people think you have to sacrifice one for the other, but then you just said the they could be on an equal level. How do you see that working? How can one support the other? Well, it's a form of consciousness or underlying cultural values I see sustainability as. That basic earth culture essence, which is caring for the earth and all life on it. Of course, all life on it includes me and you and your fellow dietitians and their students and their families and all of us, plus all the animals and birds and insects. We're all part of life. If we start thinking that way, care for the earth and all life on it, and it's not hard, as soon as you hear that, it, it actually makes a lot of sense. Who wants to think of kids going to bed without a feed and crying or getting shot or bombed? You know, it's terrible. We all want similar sort of stuff. Kids, so you know in your own family, if you know, if you won a thousand dollars on lotto, it wouldn't compensate you for your kids getting really sick. So it's things how do you put a financial value? on that. It's far better if we're just always considering those three things at once. So it's about, okay, someone told me care for the earth and all life on it. And then you think about it and then slowly you think, oh, well, I could do this instead of that. You know, I don't have to chuck out my green waste. I can worm farm it and make good soil or compost it. And it gets integrated into your life and you, you gradually take more steps. If we're all taking more steps every day in a better direction for the earth and everything else than we did yesterday, if we all did that, we'd be living in a world that was humming. <laughs> it would be, mm. yeah. just be amazing. What are some things that people waste around their home or in everyday life that have other uses? Well, food waste, firstly, because I'm, you know, mainly focused on food, because what we're talking about, that consciousness, is like underlying cultural values, right? Now, when you think culture, what do you think? You think food costume, dance, you know, that, that language and the area that culture comes from. Growing food, a logical place to start in trying to develop culture, but also as an example of observable sustainability hmm. in local community. Now, you mentioned that you reuse things and you are focused on food waste, but also when you build things in the community, you recycle a great deal of stuff. What's an example of how you've made the food that you grow in communities accessible to all so that other people can learn to do the same? 
Look, we we collect secondhand timber. So whether it's being thrown out locally, skip bins for building sites, and then different people know that I use stuff. So if someone's got some good building timber that they don't want lying around the house, they'll give me a ring and say, John, do you want this? I've got some 4B2s of Jarrah. And so Jarrah's the prime hardwood building timber in this part of Australia. We line that with maybe some old trampoline cloth or something. And because it's a bath, it slopes and drains, we put our, our cardboard in there and we'll fill it up with green waste. We use more green waste than food waste, but we use both. And the everywhere I'm going to plant is worm castings with worms in it. And the worm castings... They go to the stuff underneath, the white, what we call waste, and the plant will grow the food. You know that we call waste. It's worm food. Now, so is there any? Do you have to use any commercial fertilizer when you grow this way, or that's no. not necessary? No. no, we just use. We we could use a source of nitrogen. You know, we're a little bit low on nitrogen, but what nitrogen does is force excessive growth and give you that. So we just grow with what's locally available. Hmm. If I had horses or cows in my backyard, I'd probably get evicted, but I'd use their manure. So the it's just a matter of what have you got locally that's being wasted and how can you use it? It's really exciting. You know, I live in, and probably you do too, the most wasteful societies ever to exist in the history of humankind. So when I walk around the streets or I'm driving somewhere in the car and I'm looking at what's out on the verge and I'm looking at the skip bins, it's like I'm in heaven. (laughs) I mean, I say waste not. But I actually do quite well out of people wasting. But it's not waste because as soon as I grab it, I see it as a resource and then I use it as a resource. So our food project, Sustainable Urban Nutrition or Sun, so I'm a sun worshipper. You know, I mean, why not? The sun's pretty cool. The moon's pretty cool. I love seeing the sun come up and the sun go down. It's It's nature's television that you can't, you know, I've never seen anything on a TV set showing a sunset or a photograph that's as good as actually seeing it in reality. Right. So nature has got this amazing beauty and and magic. You know, you think about it, you know, like this jar of seeds here. So they're um, green leaf vegetable seeds kale and rocket and mustard and all sorts of different things. If I put one seed in the ground, depending on the type of plant, I only get anywhere from 20 or 30 to a couple of hundred seeds. So that's 200 to one return in a few months. Now you compare that to the return you get putting money in the bank if you're fortunate enough to be able to do that. I seem to take it out more than I put it in, but... If you did have money to put in the bank, you've won your lotto, you put some money in the bank, 
if you get net at the end of the year, if you get 5%, you're doing really well. You know? But these things, they produce far more than that. And that's why it's so important to care for the earth because when you care for the earth and work with it rather than against it, fighting it, the, it's just bountiful. It's amazing, you know, the, and the, you see the interconnections between all the different things, the soil. So one of the things we were taught in biodynamic farming, we were taught by the guy who set up biodynamic agriculture in Australia, we were taught that when you care for your soil, that's an action, you know, and it's part of that awareness and consciousness. I have to care for the soil because we're part of nature and that's a big part of nature. So I care for my soil. I don't put poisons on it. I don't, you know, repeatedly cultivate it other than when absolutely necessary. And I try and treat it gently. I move my stock around instead of letting it graze down to soil, you know, bare soil and denude the soil. And the, there's a whole host of practical things. And so when we eat it or an animal eats it, we're receiving that energy via the plant from the earth. It's another gift from the earth. And it comes around. So then. We have better thoughts. We have better ways of looking at things because the when we're getting good stuff into our body, that's where our mind lives. You know, so there's that obvious connection between body and spirit or thought or whatever. So we're enriching that, which comes back in the full circle to if you're thinking well, you have good actions. So then you're reinforcing it. My actions in regard to my garden, the earth, my plants are cool, therefore I'm reinforcing that positive circle. Unfortunately, and this is very relevant to diet, is if you have that negative circle going, it's very powerful too. When people are eating rubbish food, you know, takeaway food, highly processed food, highly agribusiness type food, use of hormones, use of lots of fertilisers, use of chemicals, that sort of stuff. It doesn't have a lot of love energy to it, you know, positive energy. And so it comes through to stupid actions, you know, round that circle back to stupid actions. And it becomes a self-fulfilling thing. But the the beauty of food is food is a medicine and it's, it's the most basic form of energy there is. So a plant is stimulated by my mate up there, the sun, right? Photovoltaic cells on the leaves, stomata and all that sort of stuff. That's what helps it grow. So it's a combination of the sun energy and the earth's energy and the plant is the medium that, that grows through. And those plants had that natural energy in them. And that was the original energy on the earth. Even when somebody invented the wheel, someone had to pull it or push it. 
So that was human energy that came and we still use that today. If you go for a walk or if you're pushing the kids on a swing or someone's in the gym doing this stuff, that basically they all indirectly come from the sun. Fossil fuels, broken down plants, had the plants grow because that combination of earth and sun. So all energy is solar energy, really. So what are some of the benefits that you've seen that people get out of working with soil and working with plants? Look, the I've, I've had different people stay at my house and some of them have got challenges. Everyone has challenges in life and lessons you've got to learn and all that sort of thing. The people coming here who are just really scattered in their heads and maybe using some sort of stimulant or whatever or alcohol, if I can get them to do it, and I can't force people, it's suggestion and why don't you try this, get out in the garden. Once they get out in the garden, they're seeing the birds, they're seeing the plants, they're seeing the insects. They're seeing life, and it's natural life. The nicest job in the garden, particularly in the hotter times of the year, is hand watering. You've been through the heat and you're out there in your garden, which is lovely, and you're getting cooled by the moisture that you're actually giving to the plants. It's actually very meditative. You know, it's, it's a pacifying thing. Water always is. If you sit by a river, you usually feel pacified. You don't get aggressive from sitting next to a river, next to a waterfall or water feature, that sound of dripping. Well, I used to love on the farm lying in bed and you hear the rain hitting on the roof and there's also that smell from rain. So everything is back to the earth. When you're growing food, it's obvious. I have had some good experiences with people who've really got settled in themselves and from the gardening, a regular job, going out and picking flowers or hand watering or doing the worm farm, getting the food scraps from the kitchen and putting them into the worm farms. You know, that sort of routine is really good. But I keep going back to, you know, food is just nature's medicine. And um, it's not saying that people shouldn't have any other medicine, but if we're all eating healthy food, we'd probably need less of the other medicine. You know, right from the start, my mother was a great cook, my grandmother, different women I've been with, and, the, and of course, other people you meet in life. It's one of the... It's one of the things of magic again, you know, getting all this stuff, mixing it up and putting it in the oven or in the pan or on the wok or whatever, and out comes something that is just, you know, lovely. So the, the important things about food, the three things, and it sounds corny because it's talking about love, right? But so it's the attitude of the person growing the food. Do they love their soil and their plants 
and actually doing that process of growing the food. Because if they do, they're putting that energy into the soil and the food. And then the next thing is the person preparing the meal and cooking it. So if you, you know, come home from work and you pull out something out of the freezer and put it in the microwave, it's not the same as like when my grandmother, you know, I can remember her making pastry and she had her special bowls and she'd mix up the flesh, she had her own little recipe for whatever she, you know, whatever type of pastry she was making. And the she's putting love into it, right? So when I cook for myself, I try and put love into it. I'm using stuff from the garden, but I'm trying to put positive energy. I like taking half an hour or an hour to prepare and start cooking. And I've learnt a lot watching Japanese because Japanese kitchens are just so clean and it's a form of art, you know, Japanese food. It's a, it's a shimmy and it's, I love it. That you know, So is the person cooking the meal, putting love into it, and then the person eating it? No, Mum, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat anything. I just had, you know, three bags of chips or something and a bottle of sugary water. And Or, oh, gosh, I'm hungry. Mum, that smells lovely. You know, and you sit down and you're putting that love into the food because you love eating it and that's your interaction with the food. So if you've got love, 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 grow, cook, eat, it's good for you. And, you know, without naming any of the fast food brands, we've got similar ones in Australia to the ones you have in America. I don't call them fast food. I call them fake food. And it's very hard to see the spot where love enters into that cycle, you know. It's, um, they sort of miss out a bit on the, in the love category, <laughs> Well, it's interesting when you start trying to produce things on a massive scale, there are things that are going to be lost. It's not going to be the same. If you have the ability to grow things in your own community, it's going to be different from the quality of food that you could get elsewhere because it just takes so much to grow the amount of food that communities need and then transport it to them. There's going to be such a delay there. You'll never have the opportunity to taste what that plant tastes like right after it's harvested. That's right. And, of course, you know, I'm connected with the, on the sustainability. I'm just really fortunate. I'm a volunteer, but that's sort of like my work. I'm not really work, living. That's my living, you know, and going to all these different community gardens where people have that interaction. It's land that people don't own, but they're still caring for it and they're sharing. And we've seen some lovely things since the virus restrictions have been happening here in Perth because people are sharing. Someone bought me these mandarins off her tree and she made some cookies and, oh, she gave me some broad bean seeds. I've planted them. And so I took her up some basil and some worm juice out of my worm farm garden systems. 
And I'm thinking, oh, well, I've sort of, you know, not balanced the ledger because it's not meant to be that way. But I sort of have reciprocated the giving, receiving thing because receiving is a very important part of giving. And I came home with some vegetarian sausage rolls. (laughs) So it's, and that can keep perpetuating. You know, I took a bunch of sunflowers to the hairdresser across the road this afternoon. And I didn't stay in there. The fellow there had customers and I didn't want to be contravening, you know, stay apart distances and everything. And but he gave me this huge smile and the, the two ladies in there who were, one was getting a haircut, the other one's waiting, and they both turned around and saw the flowers and gave a great big smile too. And it took me a minute to walk across the road with them and a minute to walk back home. And it just produced this feeling of joy for me seeing those people smiling when it's something quite minor really, but it actually creates a two-way exchange of joy. The lady who gave me these mandarins today she texted me a while ago and said, oh, I used some of your basil in a pizza tonight and I think it's the best pizza I've ever made. And I'm thinking, gosh, <laughs> you're not blaming all that on the basil, eh? <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's easy for me to share with the people across the road or the lady up the street. But, you know, that kid who's going to bed hungry, Aboriginal people out in Central Australia, where they're so far from the supermarkets and everything. Well, that's a bit more challenging. They're not getting good quality food in their shops. They, you know, they usually just have a community store. I'm sure it's the same with First Nations people in North America on reserves and maybe a community-owned store or a supermarket or something. And when you're separated by distance... Getting food to places is quite challenging. You were talking about before. But, you know, the um, foods in mass can still be produced with love sort of energy. So I think there's a lovely place in Fremantle called St Pat's and they look after needy people with all sorts of social services and they provide every lunchtime they cook a meal and it's only a couple of dollars and it's two or three courses. It's not the same as the, you know, the plaza in New York and not quite the same level of food. But it's good, nutritious food. And if you go into the kitchen, it's actually being cooked with love, you know, because they're, they're there to cook food for these people. If you're working in a fast food store, the um, store, and you're churning out the whatever it is, it's really hard to get that same thing. So it's about what's your motive? Oh, I'm just here trying to make some money while I go to university, but I don't eat this rubbish. (laughs) Or, oh, you know, I retired and I'm volunteering for these people and I'm growing and I'm um, cooking food so everyone has a good healthy lunch. Two totally different sorts of energy going into that food that goes into people's mouths, bodies, 
moms. I definitely like the concept that joy is something that can come from doing the right thing for the planet and everything that lives in it so that it isn't just an obligation that we have. It's something that can actually bring more joy to your life right now. That is a great concept or reframe to focus on instead of thinking this is one more thing that I have to do or should do. No, this is for you and this could bring more joy to your life right now. It's a transaction. Money is not part of it. Usually there's another level of exchange that's happening, which is that love or caring or sharing, whatever, just the joy. You put a value on that. It's really difficult. You know, if I walked into someone's shop and gave them $5, which might be, say, what the bunch of flowers is worth, it'd probably produce a funny reaction. Why are you giving me five bucks? Haven't you got more? Or I don't need that or whatever. You walk in and give them a bunch of flowers or some basil or some broad bean seeds, and it's joy. And it's two-way joy. But where does it actually come from? It comes from the earth. Everything comes from the earth. Your microphone there comes from the earth. You know, my hat, the, um, I didn't just go like that, click, and it appeared on my head. I could say I did, but it's not true. <laughs> that does yeah. seem like something a wizard would be able to do. <laughs> I will say I'm a wizard in a different field. You know, people talk about illusory tricks and magic. You know, and there's a difference between the two. In in the Aboriginal cultures here, there's only one sort of magic. It comes from the earth. And you think about it. If you were on the space station tonight, they're going to sit up there looking back at the earth. What an amazing sight. But they can't see you. They can't see me. All they can see is this round thing like that ball of sustainability awareness, the um, round thing, blue and green and bits of white, maybe a bit of smoke if someone's burning the Amazon for more hamburgers or something. But that's the reality, that beautiful cosmic reality. And there's us, insignificant. But you can see, when I look at those photos, it's a similar sort of thing of, of that love energy. You look at it and you think, that is just lovely, right? You look at Mars or the moon, you think, I'll stay here. This looks pretty good, you know? But it's that magic. It's that, and that's what magic is, love, really. You know, you think of a sunset or a sunrise or or watching a butterfly land on a leaf or the light shining through a, a drop of wine that's hanging off a of windows, that is just magic. If we created it using technology, we'd we'd be we'd be leaders in our field. But nature does it all the time. Doesn't even think about it. And sadly, we take it for granted. Really, what is the option for people who do live in urban spaces? How can they spend time in nature? So. Then there's community gardens. Most blocks of flats have some public open space, you know, some green area. So can you grow, if you can't grow a veggie garden, well, maybe grow a pecan tree 
or some herbs, you know, just pots of herbs. Put them next under the pecan tree or something. There's always something you can do. If there's a community garden nearby, go and join it because it's full of people who actually want to care for a bit of land and meet and share with other people. So if you're in a flat where it's hard to do that from a garden, go to a community garden. If there isn't one, get together with a couple of people who'd enjoy it and set one up. It's not rocket science. I have a lot of fun in community gardens. And life's got to be fun, you know. That's part of caring, you know, that caring for all humans, not wanting kids anywhere to be unhappy. Well, let's exchange happiness and joy, love, whatever. That's right. the real magic. And if, if, if I have that exchange with you or you have that exchange with me, well, then I'm far more likely to go outside and pass on that sort of thing to someone else. So it can become viral, you know. There's so much hate and anger and jealousy and all that sort of stuff. You can't battle them with similar sort of emotions. You can, but it just produces a worse result. The antidote to hate is love. You know, the antidote to anger is calmness. That's what we need. You know, there's a lot of fear out there at the moment. How am I going to survive? You know, am I going to get sick? Am I going to die? Is my dad or mum going to die? How is the government going to pay for the stimulus? Are they going to put my tax up? Are they going to cut off social services? Are they going to open it up for more exploitation of nature, mm. you know, is that how they're going to pay for it? And we're seeing all of those things in different ways in different countries. But there's also the discussions are of people actually should have a minimum standard of living. It's not good enough that some people have probably too much and other people don't have enough. Not that we can go click and that stops happening. I wish I could. The um, hold on, I rub my hat. If America changes during the day today, you think hard to click. <laughs> it's all changed. Yeah, that would be nice, but I think it's a very gradual process, but I definitely like that you've given us somewhere to start from just with mindset, just with knowing that your intention is to take care of the earth and everything in it and to think about what you're doing so you can make little changes to get us to a better place. And encourage, you know, interact with other people so they want to do the same. So it just... Not that they want to do it, it just feels natural to do it. You know, if I smile at you, you're more likely to smile back at me. If I scowl at you, well, you know, I'd hate to see what would happen if I scowled at you. (laughs) (laughs) Wise man. (laughs) Okay, are we out of time? Oh, God. Yes, thank you. Oh, yeah, we went long, but thank you so much for coming on. You must talk a lot. (laughs) Ah! <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, let me finish by saying one of my favourite things. The pleasure was all ours. And hopefully other people will get some pleasure out of it too. If, it, if that's what happens, we've both done a great job. Awesome. Thank you. That's a pleasure. Now, John is an extremely interesting person. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I really found a lot of his perspectives interesting and different from what I've heard in the past. The concept that waste could just be a state of mind is fascinating and in a lot of ways, obviously true. The idea that having love go into the food production process as a fundamental component of making it something that promotes your well-being is definitely interesting. I do think that the intention that you go into a task with always affects how you complete that task. So maybe love is essential to the food production process. I know that the nutrition managers and the cafeteria workers that I work with in my district absolutely put love into all of the food that they serve their children. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, the only fee for the show is that you share it with others. I'm always posting quotes and audiograms on social media that are easy to reshare to make that easier for you to do. Okay, see you next week.